Good morning, it's Iowimala. <laughs> On an, oh, another overcast day, we're not sure if the, we're, it's overcast because of the smoke from the west, from the fires close to the west coast, or if it's just an overcast day, but it's the second day in a row. So today, before I uh, read a little bit in Dhamma Everywhere, I wanted to just read some definitions in the glossary. We had a discussion at Blue Lotus yesterday and some people were asking about a little bit more about what are defilements. Um, and, I, and I wanted to just talk about that a little bit. If you've been reading the book with me, I'm sure you know. But I think the uh, definitions in the glossary are very short and to the point and uh, might just be a good reminder. So there's some of the Pali words, but um, it's not, these are words that it's good to know because uh, it's very hard sometimes to explain in English. So, defilements. Let's see what we can find first on that. Kilesa, K-I-L-E-S-A, Kilesa, Kilesa. Uh, defilements, unwholesome qualities of the mind, any manifestation of greed, anger, and delusion. So those are those three poisons. Those are the three, the three qualities that exist in all conditioned things. So, greed, anger, and delusion. That's also uh, loba, is greed. That's when we are craving, pulling things towards us. And anger is dosa. Those are the things that we have aversion to, that we, that we dislike. And uh, I'll read those definitions. And moha is that quality of uh, delusion or ignorance when we're not seeing things clearly. So let me read the definitions for those. So kilesa, those are the defilements. That's what this book is all about. And the working with the Dhamma everywhere in everything we do, and from morning until we go to bed again at night, we're working with everything in nature and within ourselves as well, our reaction to everything. And so what, we're, what we want to be aware of can be any hidden defilements that we, don't, that we haven't understood or recognized before, and then ways to deal with those defilements when they arise. Sometimes just having a clear awareness of them is enough to get rid of them. So, from Kilesa, let's look at these definitions for Lopa and Dosa. So, Lopa, okay, Lopa, L-O-B-H-A, greed, any kind of craving or liking. And it's also, this is a synonym for the the Pali word tanha, which you may have heard more often, uh, craving, liking. So it's actually greed where it becomes a really strong pull. And 
Let's see. The next one is Dosa. Dosa, and it's D-O-S-A. It's the Pali word meaning hatred, anger, any kind of aversion or disliking. And this here's something very interesting to remember. With dosa, which is disliking, this includes sadness, fear, resistance. So it includes those things that uh, that we, we don't want to be sad, you know, we don't want to be unhappy or discontent or dissatisfied. So that's then leads us, let's see, let's do moha first. Moha, and that's M-O-H-A, it's another good Pali word. Moha is delusion, ignorance, not understanding, not seeing reality. And another word that's often used is avijja, A-V-I-J-J-A. So moha and avijja are synonyms. So those are the, these defilements, the kilesa, the defilements, they are any manifestation of these qualities of greed, anger, and delusion. So those greed, anger, and delusion are those three conditions that exist in all conditioned things, all conditioned life. And we're always, when we break through, well, we'll read a few more definitions. So I had, a, had another few marked. So if we look at the Keep reading too many words. We'll just be reading the. Uh, <laughs> okay, we'll just be reading the glossary, which isn't a bad idea, right? So let's work with kilesa. Let's stick with that and the three. What I like to call and what is often called the three, the three poisons, the unwholesome, the kilesa, the defilements, the unwholesome qualities of the mind. And that's where we see the manifestations of this, of greed, hatred, and delusion. So, and when we see that, when we understand those, we, we have that a breakthrough, we have that breakthrough of insight. Okay. So that's just really to clarify what we're working with. And I think that's enough in terms of definitions for today. And I'm sure if you've been if, if you've been listening along with what I've been reading, you're pretty clear about what. <laughs> oh, I know what I wanted to read in addition, just just to be more clear. So anicca, anatta, and dukkha. So those three conditions. The three characteristics of, of existence are anicca, anatta, and dukkha. So, what is anatta? Anatta. A, not self, non-ego, impersonality. There is no abiding substance or an ego, a self, or a soul. 
There is no self-existing entity. B. Nothing can arise on its own or from a single cause, and nothing can exist or move on its own. C. One of the three universal characteristics of existence. And then we'll also look at dukkha and anicca, which are the other two. Understanding anatta is a liberating insight, or panya. So that's what that's what I wanted to get to was when we recognize when we recognize these three universal character characteristics, when we see it, understand it, penetrate it within ourselves, that's a liberating insight. That's that panya or wisdom. So that's anatta, anicca, a impermanence. All conditioned phenomena are impermanent. Everything that comes into existence changes and passes away. And B, one of the three universal characteristics of existence, and dukkha and anatta are the other two, understanding anicca is a liberating insight, or again, panya. And the third of the three, dukkha, D-U-K-K-H-A, Dukkha, A, unsatisfactoriness, pain, suffering. B, the suffering and change. C, the unsatisfactory nature of all existence, of all conditioned phenomena. And D, one of the three universal characteristics of existence. C, also Anicca and Anatta. Understanding dukkha is a liberating insight. And again, a liberating insight is panya. So, the three conditions, anatta, anicca, dukkha, and the three poisons, that craving, that aversion, and uh, delusion. So anytime we recognize these, we have the possibility for those liberating insights. When we recognize them and penetrate them, then we can, then they're so much more easily let go of. So. So let's read a little bit before we sit together. Let's read a little bit. And I took my bookmark out of the place where I was reading. Maybe this is a good place to begin. So, this is still in, the, in a nutshell section of the book, page 137. My teacher used to say that we don't label experiences, excuse me, let 
my teacher used to say that we don't label experiences or objects with characteristics, but that characteristics become clear in the mind. If we think about characteristics, then we follow the objects around and think, this is anicca, this is dukkha, or this is anatta. People want to attribute anicca, dukkha, or anatta characteristics to their little bits of experience. In reality, the characteristics of, ex of existence are anicca, anatta, and dukkha. So they are these, in reality, the characteristics of extent of existence are anicca, dukkha, anatta, nanyas that become crystal clear to the mind in an instance of clear seeing when conditions are ripe and no one can dispute that wisdom. These nanyas don't come about through a thinking process. Really, I is just an idea, a belief. You need to hear about it, but realize it for yourself. As you experience it, this understanding will open up to you. I can't tell you a lot about it beforehand. I can only tell you when you experience it. Then you understand and it becomes clear, but before then it's still very intellectual. So that's perfect from what we, just those definitions we read. Yogis say that the mind wanders outside or that their thoughts drift towards home and family while they're at the center. The mind doesn't have the nature of wandering outside, coming here or going home. In reality, thoughts and memories of home just arise in the mind and they also just pass away. You need to have this right way of seeing the mind from the beginning. The mind does not go out or wander about. I think we've read this before. If you have the notion that the mind wanders around or goes out, then you also need to use a lot of energy to bring it back in. That's tiring. The underlying wrong belief that you have to bring back the mind that has gone out also characterizes the mind as a permanent entity which is not, which it is not. The mind only has the nature of arising or happening. The right way to view the mind is to see that the thoughts are just arising of their own nature. Only through realizing with right view that the mind just arises, arises, and arises will wisdom begin to understand the nature of impermanence, that anicca. Experiencing arising and passing away is very different from understanding arising and passing away. Oh, okay, experiencing arising and passing away is very different 
from understanding arising and passing away. A person may experience arising and passing away many, many times before realizing anything. What we want is understanding and wisdom. Yogis tend to follow their experiences upon others' advice and immediately think, I've seen Anicca. That kind of thought with incomplete wisdom ends the path right there, making it difficult for other realizations to follow. Can there be real understanding then? Note that defilements can also see passing away. For example, a loba, and that's that greedy mind, can see passing away while eating and in effect wants to eat even more. So can we say that it is anicca every time we see arising and passing away? Arising and passing away isn't always just impermanence. Just now I showed you how lopa, how greed, can also see passing away. Sees passing away but wants more. Please don't decide that you have understood the nature of arising and passing away after you've only seen a little bit. That mental confirmation that you've understood closes the mind off from seeing more. True understanding will arise when the mind is ready after many, many experiences. Your responsibility is to cultivate awareness and right view. Just read a little bit more. In reality, the same experience doesn't happen over and over again. An experience happens only once in this moment. You only think something is a recurring experience because the mind adds up memories of past experiences to this experience. These are all concepts at work. Ultimate reality is always new. An experience arises only once in this present moment. Your work is to know an experience whenever it arises. For example, can you tolerate it if one mosquito bites you once? Yes. What if two mosquitoes bite you? No, you can't take it anymore. That's because you're now thinking, oh, there are a lot of mosquitoes. A lot or a long time are all concepts. What is more important than an experience is your understanding of that experience. Only people who investigate can realize this. You begin with questions like, what is this? What is happening? Why is it happening? Can there be understanding without this kind of investigative wisdom? Vipassana is a meditation that invests in intelligence and wisdom to develop more wisdom. What is object and what is mind? Do you know this very clearly? You need to recognize this while you are practicing. These are the types of things you want to ask, investigate, and study with an open, 
inquiring mind. Your understanding will be even clearer when you practice Dhamma investigation when the mind is calm. Are you just going to be aware of one object? How many objects can you be aware of in one moment? Aren't objects arising at the six sense doors? Try investigating. If you are only aware of what is happening at the nostrils to the exclusion of everything else, can you say you are fully in the present moment? You can only consider yourself as being truly in the present moment when you are aware of the Nama Rupa in that moment. Can you say that you are aware when you catch one but miss the other? Think about it. Only when you become aware of many things and processes can you say that you are aware. Okay, let's before we sit, let's see if he okay, Namarupa. Uh, Namarupa thinks ha, that's that his his definition for Namarupa, mental and physical processes. So that's everything going on within this body, right? Mental and physical. So let's begin to sit together. Oh, sorry for my traveling camera. Let's sit together and it's, we'll have a short time, about five minutes. So if you can continue to sit what, after I leave, that would be wonderful. And you can allow yourself just to, you can sit with anything from what we read together, just uh, having that in your mind without trying to just think about it, maybe just let it settle there. Uh, you might want to just practice samadha, uh, samatha, just being calm and tranquil. Be aware of the body breathing. Just relax into your body. Keeping your awareness and your attentiveness. Keeping that awake feeling but with your body relaxing. And your breath can be an anchor to come back to. But you can allow all of your sense doors to be open. If you like, close your eyes to just block out a little bit of that sensory input. And if you do leave your eyes open, just direct them uh, lower 
maybe about six feet in front of you. Let them have a resting point down and about six feet in front of you. Notice your hands. They can be palms up or palms down, but see if you, they're relaxed and calm. Be at peace with yourself. Be aware of your body. Be aware of your senses. Be aware of your mind. What's going on in your mind.
And my time to leave has come. But if you can, continue to sit. And you might want to finish your practice with metta, with loving kindness, always beginning with yourself and sending out those same qualities that help you become your own best friend, send those same qualities out to others. May peace be with you. May you be well. May you be happy. And may you live in peace. Peace inside, peace outside. Thank you. And I'll be here tomorrow.